a sip instead of yours. If you're looking for a way to get more positive things going into your life, I'd encourage you to check out our friends at Christian Living Magazine. You can find out everything you need at ChristianLivingMag.com. Hey, good morning. Well, it looks like the stream's working. We're getting comments. Hey, good morning, good morning. And recording's up and going like, hey, things are actually working, which is funny because I'm in the middle of a construction <laughs> project in my studio. So I uh, was not 100% sure. I had to double check everything, put everything together, and we're starting two minutes late because, yeah, because it took time to, to try to get everything set up to where it would basically... It would basically work. So try to get the sound panels a, a little echoey in here. Let's see if we can get up to. So good morning. Good morning. So yeah, it is a little echoey in here, but hopefully it's it's not coming through the recording too much. But yeah, we, we are in the middle of tearing uh, the entire studio apart and redoing the flooring in here, which means everything's out. And we got rid of a bunch of stuff. Um, so yeah, we are just literally on subfloors right now. So there's no flooring down. There is uh, basically nothing on the wall. So I just kind of have a couple sorber panels uh, wrapped around the sides here to to deaden this off. So yeah, hopefully it, it works out okay. We're getting a thumbs up. So that's that's a good sign. That's a good sign. So well, good morning. Hopefully you have your coffee ready, ready to go. Got a good one this morning. We're going to be going through and continuing on with uh, the gospel according to John chapter 9. We're going through 24 to 41 here. Um, so unfortunately, I don't like I said, I don't have my notes next to me. Everything's just kind of disheveled. So this one's going to be a little bit, uh, a little different. So, but bear, bear with me, but it's still going to be good. I'm going to go through a lot of stuff, cover a lot of things and, and learn a lot as we go. So let's go ahead and dig into this. John chapter 9, verses 24 to 41 in the ESV, the English Standard Version. Uh, let's, let's do this. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did your eyes open? How did he open your eyes? Excuse me. He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, 
you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who may become blind. Excuse me, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. So yeah, voice is still a little groggly, but that's, you know, it's just going to be a fun week. We're, we're good. Uh, this breaks down into two sections. First of all, we get, I was blind, now I see. And the second section in this is, your guilt remains. Let's do this. I was blind, now I see. Verse 24. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, notice this is the second time. So it's not like when they had talked to him before. So people brought the man to the Pharisees. Uh, they brought the man, and then they let the man go, and then they got his parents and talked to his parents, and then they let his parents go. And now they're discussing again with the man. They have gotten, gotten? I mean, I don't know. All right, they went and, and got the, the man again and are now talking with the man a second time. So this is the second time that they've brought the man in for essentially for questioning, right? So the man's parents were not with him when he was there, right? This is a totally different time. Now, when they're saying give glory to God, this is a direct and solemn charge, right? This is something to where they're saying, don't try to, to fool us. Don't try to deceive us. Answer as though you're answering directly to God himself. Like It's almost like a, a swearing without swearing, right? Put your hand on the Bible and swear kind of thing. Give glory to God. We, we want to make sure that everything that comes out during this is something that is 100% truthful. You're not hiding anything from anybody, right? So it's a solemn decree that what is happening is completely true and what's going to be said is completely true. No falsehood, no hiding. But which is really quite funny because they then turn around and lie. Like instantly, instantly, the Pharisees turn around and lie. It says, give glory to God. We, we know that this man is a sinner. They know. Now, they're not talking about, Je or excuse me, they're talking about Jesus. They're not talking about the blind man. They're not saying, blind man, we know you are a sinner. They're saying they know that Jesus, the one who did the healing, is a sinner. They know it. They know something that is not true. But the reason that they're making that statement and because they've been trying to find fault with Jesus this entire time. And the reason they're making that statement is because he healed on the Sabbath. Well, you can't work on the Sabbath and they're decreeing that that is a form of work. So in their mind, Jesus worked on the Sabbath, not just doing God's glory, but he worked on the Sabbath. They're taking it to uh, the degree that it was never intended to be taken. Okay, 25. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I, I love this bold and direct answer because it is. It is a very bold and very direct because he's 
getting up into the Pharisee's face. He's just letting them know, I don't know if he's sinned or not. I haven't been with him that long, not to mention I couldn't see prior to this. So I couldn't tell you if I have even seen him do something that can be construed as a sin. I do not know. So he's saying, I can't argue with you there because I have no point of reference, right? I, I can't I can't let you know either direction whether or not this is he's a sinner or not a sinner. That I have no idea of. And I would have no way of knowing, just like they would have no idea and no way of knowing other than everyone sins, right? All humans, all people who are 100% human sin. This is part of being fallen. But then he answers with his testimony and saying, what I do know is that I couldn't see, but now, now I see. He anointed me with the modern day or the common day at that point, medicine, right? The known medicine that had probably been done numerous times, right? And I went and washed and I followed his directions. He told me to go wash it off. And when I did, I could see. As soon as I followed his direction, I could see. Okay, just keep in mind, our testimonies are powerful, right? Our testimonies are, can be a, an incredibly powerful thing. You know, theology can always be argued and debated, which we see here. That's, that's one of the things we see tons with the Pharisees is they're always arguing in theology. They're always arguing theology and doctrine. Oh, he worked. Well, did he? He healed someone. Like he, he, he was blessing someone. He was doing God's work during that time. And isn't teaching also working? Like, so why, why is something work for everyone but you, right? That, that doesn't make sense. Like, that's not how this works. If you can do your work that God's calling you to do, why can't he do the work that God is calling him to do? Like, it's just one of those things. It's just trying to question that. So theology can always be argued, but our testimonies, our testimonies can't. They're personal, they're powerful, and they're revealing. And they're, they're, it's hard to argue with somebody's testimony, right? Take a look at 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, right? Tablets of human hearts. We are our own living testimonies, just like this man who was blind became a living testimony, right? He is a living word showing God, okay? Showing God's work, showing Jesus's work. And that's showing the power of that testimony. 26 and 27, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Which is hilarious because that's exactly what they asked him the first time. And, and the man responds with just that. He answers them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And then I love that he comes back with kind of like a quippy comeback, right? It's just snaps it right back at them. Do, do you also want to become his disciple? You want to become his disciples? Because Jesus had other disciples, right? This is not a declaration. And this is something that we need to catch because we, we see here in, in uh, 28, they declare that he... This man is is one of Jesus's disciples as almost a uh, a reason not to trust his testimony, not to trust his statements, not to trust that he was ever actually blind, right? To discredit him. They throw that back to him saying, you're his disciple to discredit him 
saying you can't trust him because you're all, you've already been a follower of the man. So clearly you're going to do whatever he says. No, the guy here is not actually saying that he is a disciple of Jesus. He's asking if these Pharisees want to join Jesus's other disciples who are following him because of all the amazing things that they've seen him do already. Okay, so they ask him the same question, and he responds back with that quip comeback, and I absolutely love it. It's it's just kind of funny to see. I mean, it's not respectful, <laughs> but it is kind of funny. Come on, we can all chuckle about that, right? It is kind of funny to see someone who uh, is considered absolutely nothing turn around and put those who are, who consider themselves and hold themselves up to be everything. Like we are the big dogs. We're the big ones. Right. And just that the one who was nothing, quote unquote, if you're on the video, you can see it, nothing, uh, put them in their place. And, and that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what's happening. And it makes the Pharisees incredibly angry, which we see in 28 and 29. They reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Okay. So they're angry and they criticize him and they claim again that he's one of Jesus's disciples to discredit anything that the man's saying because you can't take his testimony of something that Jesus has done to him personally if he's been a follower of him because then he's he's you know he's he's got interest in it you can't you can't you know it makes me think of somebody writing a you know restaurant reviews you can't write a restaurant review on a restaurant that you have steak in right that you have money in there and you're going to make money that's it's unethical so they're saying you can't nobody can trust this guy's testimony because you were already a follower of him. Not true. Which was not true, right? Anyway, so they were also then turning around and saying that they are disciples of Moses. Right? Moses is tried and true. It's tested. We know, we know that Moses heard from God. And so we can follow that. We can learn from his teachings and go from that. We don't even know where, where Jesus comes from, though, which, again, depending on the context, they, they kind of did know because they've already talked about the fact that uh, Jesus was from Nazareth, right? Nothing good, no prophets come from Galilee, right? They've, they've already discussed these things. They have a really good idea. They know where Jesus comes from, but they're meaning this in, in more of like a spiritual sense, right? So are they lying? Eh, they're bending the truth. But they kind of are meaning it in the spiritual sense, I think. When I'm reading this, I, I see this as they're meaning this as a, a, as a spiritual sense that they do not know what side Jesus is coming from. Is he coming from God's side? Or remember, they've been accusing him of being demon-possessed. So is he coming from God or is he coming from the demonic? Is he coming from the devil? So then we see 30 to 33, the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. I love this. This guy is either, which by the way, I have no, I, I do not think for one second that this guy was dumb. So, but either this guy really has no idea what's going on and has no clue, but I don't think so. Just because he's blind doesn't make him dumb, 
right? And that man has been sitting at the gates, hearing everybody's conversations, hearing the talk of the town. Nobody pays attention to him, so they're okay saying anything next to him because who's going to listen to this, this guy anyway? He knows more than probably anybody else in the area about what's going on and who's who and what's what. This guy is the 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 person who sits in the barber shop or in the in the hair salon and knows everybody's business. He knows everybody's business, right? This is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from. And yet he still did what he did. He opened my eyes. You're saying you don't know if he's from God. Maybe he's from the devil. But all I can tell you is he opened my eyes. He did this. He did exactly what I'm telling you. He's not even going back and, and, and retorting any of the other stuff. He doesn't have to. He's saying it doesn't matter. You guys are just blowing smoke. It doesn't matter. Wow. And yet he opened my eyes. We know. And this is an amazing thing. He then turns around and reminds, right? He's reminding, this is your own stance. Let's talk what you talk about. We know God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Point two, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind, saying anyone who's ever been born blind has remained blind for the remainder. We've never heard of this again. So if this man were not from God, here's two points. Bam, right here. We know God doesn't listen to sinners. So you're saying Jesus is a sinner. Well, but God doesn't listen to sinners. And no one has ever been able to do what he just did. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He could do nothing, right? So keep in mind, man's talking to those who consider themselves above all other Jews. He's talking to the leadership. He's talking to Pharisees. He's also talking to other leaders who would be part of, potentially part of the Sanhedrin, right? Um, these guys consider themselves the ups of the ups. There's not really any higher up than these guys. They're more learned. They're more practiced. They're more perfect in keeping the commandments and so on and so forth. And yet he basically mockingly tells them how absurd their accusations about Jesus are. Okay. Essentially calling them total hypocrites. Now, he does keep with the common Jewish belief that God didn't listen to sinners. Okay, we can take a look at Psalm 66, 18. Uh, there's many other places, but this is just a good one to pull for that. It says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Okay, there's a lot of places that talk about how God listens to the righteous, listens to those faithful, right? But that's, that's just a good spot. But he keeps with that common Jewish belief that, that God doesn't listen to anyone other than those worthy, right? Those who are worshipers. And that miracles then, in essence, follow along suit, that miracles were answers to prayer. And so logically, Jesus couldn't have done miracles if Jesus was a sinner, right? If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it must be a duck, right? If A plus B equals C, it has to, right? It just, it just walks out, right? It is the, the common logical progression, you can't have this. You can't have him be a sinner working miracles because that doesn't work. 
or, right? So you can't have this, right? Either he's a sinner and what? I am still blind even though I see, or he's not a sinner and performed a miracle. So either he's a sinner and everything we believe about how God works and how God works through people and does these miracles, everything we believe about that is completely wrong. So either we accept everything we understand about God is wrong or Jesus isn't a sinner. And that's essentially what he just presented to them. We know this foundational truth that we hold, bam. But what you're saying doesn't fit in this. So either, and this is an either or, either everything we know about God, we can throw away because we're way off base, which by the way, they were. And most of the time we are too. Let's just be real, right? We, we do our best to understand. We do our best to walk, but um, we get off course, right? That's why we see Jesus. Jesus was perfect and showed us. And that's why it's so important that we follow his teachings and go directly with Jesus and the man, right? But like everything we understand is way off. And not everything was, but a lot of it, they took things way out of context and took it to the nth degree that, that it was never intended. Or Jesus really isn't a sinner. And he actually is who he's saying he is. And we need to fall in line with that. And by the way, that is logically sound. That is completely and totally logically sound. That is a very good point. A or B. There's not much of a C here. Okay. So he he just points out the absolute logical, which by the way, in Jewish tradition, if you look at Judaism, Judaism is an incredibly logical system. They follow the rules and the laws of logic incredibly closely. It is a very tight system like that. And so this would make a lot of sense to them and they don't like it. They answered him. You'll never guess how, right? They answer him. You were born in utter sin. Remember, he was born blind. So either he sinned in the womb somehow, or his parents had sinned or his grandparents or something and someone had sinned against the family and so he was born blind because of utter sin, right? You were born in utter sin because that was the common belief. That is not true. Jesus, Jesus talked about that already. We did that last week, right? That is not the case, okay? Um, or not last week, but last session. Anyway, um, you're born in utter sin and you would teach us saying, not only are you a sinner, you were born sin. Hey, Sip and Studiers. As you may know, the family and I have been called into missions and are now officially missionaries to the church in Pakistan. Can't tell you how excited we are for this. It's a great opportunity and we are so blessed for it. But if you've known anybody who's gone into missions, you know, can't do it on our own. We need people to be partnered with us, partnered in prayer, and yes, also in financial support. But there's so much more. If you feel God tugging at your heart, letting you know that he has a plan for you to make an impact in the church in Pakistan, we'd love for you to reach out to us and partner with us. You can do that and more at chogglobal.org slash dsbrown. That's chogglobal.org slash dsbrown, as in Drew and Sonny Brown. Now, back to the study. Right? Like you were just instantly, you were accursed by sin because instantly. And it was totally, 
evident. And you're going to teach us, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders who are above all else, who are better taught, we're more learned, we're better educated, we are, uh, I'm being very redundant, but anyway, uh, we are above others. There's not really anybody above us, like who, other than God himself. Like, you, what? You're going to try to teach us? Okay. How could someone who has known nothing but sin his entire life, literally, basically what they're saying, right? How could you do that? And how could you teach us, those who are essentially perfect, right? We go weeks and months at a time without sinning. Cough, cough, cover your, cover words with a cough, right? Anyway, so, and then they cast him out. And they cast him out. This is an expulsion, right? They have expelled him from the synagogue. Now, this could be, and, and there's some debate whether this was, they actually kicked him completely out, like, no, you're done. You can't be part of uh, the synagogue. You can't be part of the Jewish faith anymore. Or if this was just a temporary, most likely because he didn't actually say Jesus was the Messiah. And that was what what they had come out and said. Anybody who claims Jesus to be the Christ, this man had never come out and actually said Jesus is the Christ. Now, he did give him that AB. Either Jesus is who he says he is or we know nothing about God. So, I mean in a roundabout way, but he didn't actually say it. So this is a, a, most likely they just were angry at him and kicked him out, right? They didn't kick him out for good. Most likely, I don't think uh, it's possible, but most likely it was out of anger, just a temporary, like, get out of here kind of thing, right? Now we're into the second section. Your guilt remains 35 through 38. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, which by the way is, Interesting. Word travels fast. Okay. Keep in mind, this this is not a small little village. We think, I don't know, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. When I tend to think of like ancient world days like this, I'm thinking like third world country, little tiny villages, everything. Everybody's, you know, some villages are two families. It might be like a hundred people. No, no, no. This is a this is a very large town. Thousands of people. Okay. Thousands of excuse me. Ooh, thousands of people, potentially tens of thousands of people, right? A lot of people in this area. And Word travels fast, even without cell phones, even without the internet, even without any of that stuff. Right? They didn't have books like we do. There's no, there wasn't printing press. There wasn't any of this stuff. People worked and they talked. That was it. They built that relationship and that was, that was life. They worked and they talked. Eat, sleep, speak kind of thing, right? And that's it. So word traveled fast, which is why they made such a big deal about gossip, which by the way, gossip is still a big thing today. We do not need to continue on that bandwagon, but that's why it was talked about as being such a big deal in, in scriptures is because it was, because word traveled really, really, really fast because that's all they had. Okay. So anyway, word travels fast. Jesus found the man and he says to him, do you believe in the son of man? Now Jesus pulls from something that everybody would understand from that day. We've talked about this several times. We'll look at it again here just for kicks and giggles, Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed, okay? We see in this prophecy, 
And this is something that everybody knew, everybody was waiting for, especially under Roman rule. They were under rule again, right? That was like the the plight of uh, the Jews. Screw up, think we know everything about God, walk a different course, get under somebody else's rule. Get back out because God showed mercy and grace upon them. Do a little bit better, fall into some other stuff, get under somebody else's rule, right? And yet again, and yet again, it happens here. They're under Roman rule, right? And so the people were tired. They were exhausted. Mind you, it's not like this is one generation's gone through all of this. No, generation after generation, and it just, it's like a generational sin, that that weight, that burden, it just is, becomes daunting. And that just, that's, and that's our family life. It's just, that's how our family is. That's how our society is. And, and they were waiting and longing for the Savior to come and rescue them. And because everything had been so worldly that it was always under some other form of captivity, they were expecting this Savior to save them from their current predicament, from their current situation with the Romans. They no longer wanted to be under somebody else's rule. They wanted to be under God's rule, and that was it. They didn't want other earthly and worldly rulers anymore. They were tired of this. And so they were looking for this Messiah, this Christ, to come and save them from their earthly troubles and stay and maintain this everlasting dominion and reign. And they were expecting a warrior king to come in, kick out the Romans, and make an everlasting Jewish land and Jewish rule. That is what they're expecting. Because if you listen to the prophecies and you look at them in a literal sense, it kind of leans that way and it kind of seems that way. And I, you can very easily see how they got that mindset. Okay, but that's not how it happened. God has bigger fish to fry. He has more important things on his mind and on his plate, and that is the everlasting. That is the soul. That is what happens inside, right? It's more than just your, your today and being under someone's rule today. It's bigger than that, okay? People know this dream. They know this vision. They're aware of that, and they know that that is one of the names of the Messiah, the Son of Man, and that is something that Jesus loved to call himself. He didn't call himself Messiah in Christ calls himself the son of man because there was one who was like a son of man, which literally just means human. If you look at the actual translation of that, that actually comes off as human. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a human and came to the ancient of days. Well, if you look at the visions and things of angels, multiple faces, multiple sets of wings oftentimes, different animal parts for feet and things like that, it was not human-esque right? What people are seeing is not like a, a human. And so to see this as there's one coming from heaven, and he's like one of us. He's like a human. He's like a man, right? Coming down. And so they're expecting this warrior king to save today and not worry about the rest of this. Now, mind you, when Daniel wrote this, Daniel was under Babylonian rule. This, this vision this prophecy was given under another ruler. It was under the Babylonians. And so all Jews would know this story, right? All of the Jews would know this story. It's one of the main stories and the signs of the coming Messiah. 
Okay. And he says, do you believe in the son of man? And the guy answers, who is he, sir? I love that there's that respect. Who is he, sir? Like you, you healed me, bow down, respect, right? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Who is he? Okay. Faith is the conduit, right? Salvation is one thing. Yes, it's there. But faith is the conduit for salvation, right? It's not the salvation piece. Jesus is the one who saves, okay? And Jesus is pointing to that. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Messiah? Who is he that I may believe, that I may have faith, right? Faith has to be connected to the proper source for it to save, right? It has to be connected to Jesus. And I love that the man actually shows recognition to that concept here, saying, who is he that I may believe? Okay, who is he that I may believe? You have seen him. Well, the guy's been blind, and so he hasn't been seeing for very long. This might have taken a week, maybe. I, I don't even think that. It's probably been a, a day or two. But let's just say anywhere between a day and a week. So this guy has not seen a ton of people in his life, <laughs> okay, literally, right? So who is he that I, that I may see in, or that I may believe in him? And Jesus says, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. So Jesus declares that he is the son of man. Now, I love this part here. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Okay, Jesus declares and decrees, I am the one everyone's been waiting for. I'm him. I'm not what they expected, Here's the beauty of this, though. It took a man who saw the world in a different way to recognize. Everyone else was basing everything on what they had seen. We see the Roman rule. We've seen the Babylonians. We've seen this. We've seen that. We've seen the hardship. We've seen the struggles. We are looking for someone big and strong, someone maybe muy guapo, right? Like really handsome. Like we're looking for perfection. God's idea of perfection is very different than our idea of perfection. And it took someone who looked at the world in a different way for Jesus to finally come out and say this and for them to recognize. But look at the natural progression. Look at what recognizing who Jesus is leads to naturally, naturally and outflowingly. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped, and he worshiped him. The natural outpouring of recognition of who Jesus is, is worship. Okay, look at the progression of how this man understood Jesus. Okay, we see in, in verse 11, he's a man, right? Look at verse 11. Oh, I don't know who this man is. And then verse 17, it's, well, maybe he's a prophet. He could be a prophet, right? That right there tells you this guy's not dumb. He's paid attention. He understands there's people. There's a difference between regular people and a prophet. Okay. Maybe he's a prophet. And now we see here in 38, he recognizes that he is the son of man, that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. 
the Christ. Okay, that is a progression right there. Okay, let's keep going. 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Okay, remember, we saw in 317, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus was not really sent to judge, but remember, in Greek, it's a double edge. There is a positive judge and a negative judge. He's not coming to necessarily condemn. But when you're blessing some, unfortunately, there is a natural consequence to these things, right? There's that natural consequence. And that's one of the things that we tend to, to, we tend to miss these days, but back then they completely understood. They understood the logical progression and the natural order of things. Things worked in a certain way. If something good happened, sometimes something bad also happened to somebody else. It's just the nature of life, okay? We try to avert that so much today and it becomes an obsession. Like everything's good. You have to accept the good of everyone. You have to talk about good, 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 good. You can't say that. That's that's shaming people. You can't say that. That's mean. You can't. Well, sometimes to give people a, hel- a, a, a help up, right? A helping hand up, a leg up, you have to help them recognize that there's a problem. Okay. You talk to anyone who's been a drug addict, who is a former, right? Now they, they have moved on. They are, maybe they still struggle. struggle. Wow. Anyway, words are hard. The language is hard, right? They may still struggle with temptations and whatnot, but they're not falling back into it. They had to recognize first. You talk to any of them. That first step is the recognition that there's a problem and that they don't want that life anymore. We need to recognize problem. We have to see the bad first, okay? And we see that actually in the gospel message itself. The gospel itself starts off with, you're not good enough to do this on your own. That is the very beginning of understanding the gospel. You cannot do this on your own. It is not physically, spiritually possible for you to do this on your own. The good news is you don't have to. God loved you enough to do it for you. That's the gospel. You can't. So God did. Okay? That's why it's beautiful. That's why it's amazing. You can't. You can't. I can't. No one can. So God came in the form of a man to do what no one else could do. God did it for you. Okay. We need to sometimes see the bad for the good. And in the Greek language, remember, judging has that double edge. There is the good. There is the bad. Okay. Jesus didn't come necessarily to do the bad. Okay. That first trip in... He's here to save. But unfortunately, God knows there's some people who are not going to accept. There's some people who are not going to want that. And it's very apparent to Jesus. There are people who don't accept. There are people who don't understand. There are people who don't want it. This is not who or how we wanted this. This is not what we expected. Therefore, go back. We don't want you, okay? That's not how it works, okay? So, with the understanding of how that works, with the good, there is also a bad, okay? So um, that understanding, he came to judge. When I'm giving some sight, there's unfortunately going to be some who think they see that are going to realize they're really blind. They're, when I come now, that's the, the nature of coming there, period, right? When Jesus came, 
excuse me, when I show the world who God is, there are some who are going to say, that's not how God is. That's not how I believe God works. And they thought they saw, but they are going to soon find out they really never saw before. Not talking about actually turning people blind. He's not going around and blinding people, right? That's not what's going on here. Okay, it's that duality. The good comes with some form of bad as well, unfortunately. And that's just the nature of how that works. Okay, it's not necessarily bad. He's just saying people who think they see are going to start to realize that's that's not that's not right. Okay. Jesus is the light of the world, granting sight to those who cannot see and unfortunately blinding those who think they see but refuse the reality of who he is. They refuse the reality of who he is. 40 and 41, let's wrap this up. Some of the Pharisees near him, which means they're they're following him. I mean, come on. They're trying to catch him in anything they can, so they're, they're following him. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? So they're catching this. They're catching on to what he's saying. They're realizing not everything that he says is direct, is not as direct and literal as we like it to be. Okay, so they're saying, are we blind? Okay, because they want to catch him. And Jesus responds with the evidence of the spiritual nature of what he was talking about. Says to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay, your guilt remains. Blind is not knowing. Seeing is knowing. Since they claim to see God and his way, the guilty stains of the sin remains, right? Those who didn't see God and didn't understand are about to. This is actually a reference to not only Jesus healing physically the blind, but including those who didn't know God, the Gentiles, the rest of the world, bringing everyone in, right? Okay, the Pharisees knew the scriptures. They knew the law. They knew the prophecies about Jesus. Gentiles didn't. And in fact, a lot of the common Jews didn't. Um, They knew a lot of it, but they didn't know all of it because they didn't have access to it. They couldn't just go and read it. They knew what they were taught, right? And unfortunately, power has a tendency to corrupt. So they only knew what they were taught. I'll just leave it at that. Pretty sure you can figure it out, okay? The the Pharisees refused, (coughs) excuse me, to accept that Jesus was the son of God or the son of man in that terminology, right? They refused to see him for who he truly was. And thus, they were made blind, right? Showing that their sight was faulty. They knew what God had said. They knew what God had said about right and wrong. And they ignored, and they ignored Jesus. Let's take a look at Romans. This is a little later, but it's okay. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Okay, so everybody has been plainly seeing what God does. Now, how you perceive it is different. You accept Jesus, and you're all of a sudden you can see these things. God's going to show you these things and show you how it works. 
turn it down, unfortunately, your room, you think you see, but you really don't. You're really blind to the truth. So what can we take away? Well, we can take away several things here. First, the leaders continue to try to catch Jesus and try to get any dirt on him that they can, right? They brought the man healed by Jesus back to see if they could turn him against Jesus. But the man ends up realizing who Jesus is and worships him and worships Jesus. Okay, the leaders, Jewish leaders were shown to be blinded by their lust for power and their hatred of Jesus, being the light of the world, right? Jesus being the light of the world. Jesus brings sight to those who don't see, those who seem beneath. And the blind and blinding, wow, blinding those who think they can see and cannot accept. All right, so how do we put that in real, real terms? Some people think they have life figured out and refuse to accept that Jesus could ever be who he claimed or claims he is, okay? Pray that God will open their eyes and by the light of the world, you know, that they, they who will open the eyes by the light of the world by Jesus, right? That God, Jesus will open their eyes, okay? We don't want to see anyone suffer or lose out on eternity with God. That's, that's the glory, right? We get to spend eternity with God. That's huge. Once people realize and recognize who Jesus is, the only natural response is worship. Remember, your testimony is part of God's story throughout creation. Everyone, all of our testimonies are part of God's stories, right? It continues on. We're not writing it into the scriptures, but it's still part of God's story, a part of what God does. It's powerful. It's very meaningful. And realize and keep in mind that you might be the only example of God and of Jesus that people see in any given day. So shine on. <coughs> My God, thank you. Thank you again for today. Thank you for showing us your word and helping us learn and grow and see who Jesus is. And thank you for opening our eyes. We were blind before, God, but that you've opened our eyes to see God, thank you. We just ask that you continue to go out into the world and show people who you are and open their eyes to see who it is that you truly are, that you bless them and that you bring people into your fold, into your family, into your loving embrace. Don't let people fall away. God, especially with the, like the situation that's still going on in Afghanistan. I know the news doesn't talk about it much anymore, but it's still a pretty dire situation, God. Just ask that you, first of all, protect your family, protect your believers there, but also change hearts, show people, show the Taliban who you are, who Jesus truly is. Open their eyes, change their hearts, God. Change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for, for joining today. Um, we are not going to do this uh, the next two Saturdays. So we're going to take two Saturdays off, uh, not because of a flooring project or anything like that, but because uh, we'll be gone. We, we physically won't be here to do this. So we're going to take the next two Saturdays off, but uh, we will be back and continuing on with this. Have a great rest of your weekend, guys. God bless. Bye-bye.